Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. We figured since we've got a bit of spare time on our hands, we'd interview some of our fave celebs and influential figures in the beauty industry and share those interviews with you. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when a bonus episode drops. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm still like so excited about this. This is like my favorite guest of all time. I posted it to my Instagram. Like I think I've had four people ask me if it was J-Lo. Sorry, it's not J-Lo. That's my bucket list. I think I had about 10 people ask me if it was J-Lo. I was like, no, No. that's still possible, but it's not at this point. (laughs) I won't rule it out. I'm still confident. She needs to become an ambassador for a brand that we stock and then we might have it in. Um, Anyway, so on today's bonus episode, we are talking to Caroline Hirons. She is a skincare expert based in the UK and she is like my idol. I am obsessed with her. I feel like this is your career path. I I feel like it is. I feel like it is. I'm just obsessed with her. And honestly, this interview just made me love her so much more. When we finished this interview, I I had to do exercise and it was like nine o'clock at night. And I was just like, I've got to get all of this energy Energy out out. because I was so excited. So I'm sure you'll be able to tell in this interview that I was a bit nervous. Because I just kept asking questions that weren't on our script. You but... asked so many questions. It was like, I was like, oh, another one. Oh, another one. I'm like, where, I know. what script is she following? <laughs> I, know. I just went rogue because I was so excited. But let's hope that she comes to Australia because I really want to meet her. But yeah, we hope you enjoy our interview with Caroline. Today's guest, I would say I've been the most excited for, and we've interviewed some pretty exciting people. Today's guest is Caroline Hirons. She joins us from the UK. Caroline, I would say that you are the Oprah of skincare. So yes. I am very excited for <laughs> this. thing anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> um, so I received a copy of your new book, which is called Skincare, The Ultimate No-Nonsense Guide. I received that probably two weeks ago and I'm probably halfway through, I'd say. That's available from the 26th of June in Australia. How long has this been in the works for? Because your YouTube channel I'm obsessed with. So how long has a book been on the cards? Um, well, people wanted me, well, I should say people, publishers and sort of previous management teams and stuff wanted me to write a book for a long time and I just never really wanted to. I've always sort of said, I'm a blogger, I'm not a writer, there's a big difference, you know, I'm not a journalist. You know, getting your English exams at high school does not make you a journalist. Mm. And I just, I, I kind of resisted because also the you know, the amount of work that's gone into the blog, I just couldn't face doing that again for a book. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you're like, oh, my God, this is 10 years worth of content. But then eventually it was readers sort of saying, no, seriously, I really want a book because then I can give it to my friends. I don't have to keep telling them this is what you do and this is what you do. I can just literally give them a copy and they're done. And so it kind of went from there. And then it was a mixture of finding, you know, the right people. Because originally I was working with people who would say things like, oh, we could get you a ghostwriter. And I was like, uh, not too sure you know how I write. <laughs> um, if you think anyone is going to believe that a ghostwriter is me. So it was a long process in terms of coming together. But actually doing the book, I started it oh, last September. I was supposed to, well, actually, I was supposed to start it in the summer and deliver it by October. And I started it in September and delivered it in bits and pieces between December, January. That is very quick. That would, it would take me a long time to write a book, I think. So you smashed that out. <laughs> but, you know, to be fair, like I said, 
when I, you know, I was really clear when I was talking about launching the book, I would say 40, not, not quite 50%, but 40% certainly of the book is lifted from the blog mm-hmm. and just rewritten to be suitable for a book. Yep. Because the reason people want me to write a book is because they want the content from the blog mm-hmm. in a book form. So that was always going to be the case. It was just, you know, when I, I remember first starting and I downloaded all the best sort of uh, most popular posts, so all the cheat sheets, all the beauty myths, I downloaded everything onto Word. And at, the, and at the time, I think they wanted to do like 60,000 words is like typical for a book. Mm-hmm. And I remember in my head going, right, so that's about 60 blog posts. If I do one a day, I'll knock it out of the park because that's how my head works. I work in blog posts, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then, but when you actually sit down, if you don't have, like I don't blog if I'm not inspired about a topic or something. And I just sit down and I basically vomit all over the blog. <laughs> and then I know when I've, when I've hit something, you know, like I have that feeling of, oh, this is good. Yeah. Stay up till two in the morning finishing it. But it's so different with a book because you just have to, you know, do set chapters and things have to flow. And the blog is very much like my brain, like ADD. (laughs) And a book does not work like that. So when I eventually, when I downloaded that initial round of all the stuff from the blog I wanted to take, it was about 38,000 words. And I remember thinking, oh, excellent. I'm pretty much done. And then, of course, you edit them and remove things like, well, Jim and I had Wagamama last night. And while I was there, I reminded myself that I needed to tell you about this because that doesn't sit in a book. <laughs> then I had to update all the information. And then by the time I'd edited, I'd destroyed like 13,000 words. Wow. Then it was like, okay, so now we have a skeleton to start from. <laughs> I'm loving the way that it's set out because it's really easy to focus on a specific chapter or a specific topic if you want to. And the thing that I'm loving the most about it is that your no bullshit approach is still in there. You use a lot of your own opinions and stuff. And I love that because you're not afraid to say what you're thinking. And I think so does your fan base. Your fan base loves that you're just really honest. But have you come up against any resistance from brands that you've called out for certain things? Do you you have people that want to come after you? I've got brands who have come after me. I've had cease and desist. Wow. I think most bloggers have who aren't sort of just a press release blogger. Yeah. How important do you think it is to give that really honest feedback about brands? As you said, there's a lot of people that are spitting out PR releases um, without actually giving any sort of personal spin on anything. How important is it to be honest in your opinion? It's multifaceted, isn't it? Because it, it, that's what keeps the machine of disingenuous BS marketing ticking over. Mm-hmm. If you don't challenge it or question it, that's why the industry doesn't have parabens, because not enough people challenged it. Mm-hmm. And I've said this repeatedly. It's because most of us doing this job are women, and we've always been told to put up and shut up. Unfortunately, I was not raised that way. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of people either take great offense to me. They think, well, she's gobby. But then I, I now, when I was younger, I'd be so offended. I'd be like, but I'm not gobby. I'm just saying what I think. <laughs> Uh, but as you get older, you realize that, obviously, if I'm saying something in the, you know, and someone is taking offense to how I'm saying it, then it's about them. It's about how they don't feel that they can be that way in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And obviously, don't get me wrong, I put my hands up. Sometimes I'm a complete dick. Yeah. I'm not saying I'm an angel and everyone just needs to be a grown person. Sometimes I go, yeah, my bad. I was an absolute arsehole. <laughs> but, and it's also the way I'm described constantly and it really winds me up. And it doesn't wind me up from my point of view. It winds me up because I think it really stops younger bloggers, younger writers from having that opinion because they don't want to be classed as opinionated or frank or bullish. Mm -hmm. And actually, those are words that are used to shut women up. And as I've got older, that's really, really started to piss me off. Even in the press I'm getting for the book, 
well-meaning journalists describe me and I think you are literally describing someone who sounds like Donald Trump <laughs> but actually I'm just a woman giving a review on a product yeah you know and I said I've said pre- you know, earlier this year when I was doing the rounds of the press before we were locked down how if it was in the restaurant world or gaming or theater or film critics they are not questioned one iota their ethics are not questioned you know in the gaming world if a, if a respected gaming influencer you know if PewDiePie slags off a game it's dead in the water when kylie jenner said i'm really not using snapchat mm-hmm. anymore their share price went down yeah. mm-hmm. like it's the the effect you know it, it's different levels of and i do think it's because we are women we're in beauty the industry as we all know is still run at the top by middle-aged white men or older and i just think it's a very very good way of making women go oh i'll bite my tongue it's just like i mean i don't think the aussies have that same problem and i think that's why i have an affinity with you and why you're my third largest audience <laughs> i think that's what we love is the honesty and that you don't hold back because i love that message that you're putting out there the founder um, of our and in, company she said yeah, it was sorry, a really difficult journey for her when she first started to get brands to be okay with reviews so for brands to, to go, yeah, it's okay that you're going to review my product online because it was so, I guess, scary for brands mm-hmm. to think that they were opening up their products to possibly negative reviews. You said briefly about sort of all the biggest myths. What do you think are some of the biggest myths in skincare right now? Oh, God, there's so many. It's <laughs> my head as well. I think there's a few new ones and it's not even that they're myths. It's just that they're things that are repeated verbatim and then they become fact. You know, the relentless comparing of Bacuchiol to vitamin A mm-hmm. makes me stab it. <laughs> <laughs> One test that said, yeah, Bacuchiol had quite good results. We don't know who the test was on. We don't, it could have been on a woman who hasn't used anything but soap for 50 years. <laughs> that kind of thing drives me nuts because, and the reason that happened was the clean industry, as we were, you know, that the clean and clean for me is the new C word, right? <laughs> <laughs> the clean industry were very, you know, and there are some great products in there, but you don't, if you sell through fear, you've lost me. Yes. But what the clean industry did was they were like, oh, we don't use anything that's toxic. Again, don't even get me started. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But then they realized that every single woman these days, and obviously the men, but predominantly to the female, they want retinol. Mm-hmm. Well, retinol is a man-made product. You cannot get retinol from a bit of shea butter. Mm. <laughs> so then they were like, okay, so if we're going to offer retinol, we're going to make it a clean retinol. Let's call it Bacuchiol. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, Picucho is a plant. I'm sure it does lovely things. It's nice for pregnant women to have something that they think is going to do the same thing. But all it really is doing is selling hope in a jar mm-hmm. because, you know, vitamin A has been tested for decades and decades. And it's one of the few ingredients that's approved by it. You know how hard it is? You guys do because you're the SPF land. Yes. <laughs> how hard it is to get all of the different yeah. legislative bodies to agree on an ingredient. Mm-hmm. And the only two ingredients that they all agree on is SPF and vitamin A. I mean, Australia, Asia, Europe, the UK, because we're now not in Europe, (laughs) uh, and then the Americas. They all agree that vitamin A and SPF are the two things that you need if you're, you know, if you want to be fully, fully going for it in supporting your skin and helping signs of getting older, Mm -hmm. you know. So the clean industry were like, well, hang on a minute. Retinol is made with this and this. So we technically can't call it clean. We need to find something else. So Bacuchiol was just lying around and people thought, oh, actually. But the problem for me is they're now calling it phytoretinol. And I'm hoping someone takes them to task. (laughs) I hope someone sues them and just says, it's literally like saying this yogurt is a (laughs) phytobanana. 
you know, this uh, this pasta is a phytotinna tomato. It's, it's kind of like they may be in a vague similar family, but it's not the final meal. Yeah. yeah. So when people say, oh, I've got this bacuchio, this plant retinol, I say, is it called bacuchio? And then they say, yeah, I'm like, that's not retinol. It's just bacuchio. <laughs> and so that's where I'm just, you know, I, I sort of internalize the rage. And as I've got older, gone through menopause and I'm on HRT, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I, I get less ragey and now I'm just very, uh, my sort of calmer, emotionless tone is back where I'm just like, yeah, that's not true. Mm. Because there's not much people can do when you just say, but that's not true. Yeah. That's scientifically impossible. Whereas when you're going, you effing idiots, you don't know what you're talking about. People just don't listen quite rightly mm -hmm. because you're just shouting. Whereas if you just yeah, but actually that's disingenuous marketing and you know it and that's not true. Mm -hmm. They have to come back with a, well, but, uh, but, but, but. And as soon as they start to say, but, you know, you've got them. <laughs> well, what I love is that you've included a number of different myths throughout your book, which I've found really, really interesting to read. And one of my favorite quotes from your book is, wipes are for fannies, flights, and festivals only. So <laughs> can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about your problem with wipes because we're very environmentally friendly or we try to be at Adore Beauty. Um, so what's what's the issue with face wipes? What's your gripe with it? In case anyone's listening going, oh, I still use face wipes every day, why shouldn't they? There is nothing good about face wipes. Mm -hmm. There is nothing good about face wipes unless you're in a porter cabin at a rock festival mm -hmm. and you can use it on your bag. <laughs> <laughs> where we use them on children is probably where they should stay. Mm-hmm. So they are atrocious for the environment, even the biodegradable ones, uh, until you can show me that this wipe, you know, like those sort of cornstarch things, pellets that they use to ship out products now that you can run under the hot tap and they disperse. Yeah. Until they can do that with a face wipe, I'm not interested. And also mm -hmm. that's mainly purely for emergencies, hence the fannies, flights and festivals. Yes. <laughs> you know, I don't really want to use plain, as in airplane water on my face. We all know where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Also, they take longer. I don't understand this whole, I'm just going to wipe this off my face. It's disgusting. Yeah. Get your face to a sink and wash your face. And I remember saying once at a body shop internal conference, there was like 1,200 body shop consultants. And I said, you know, uh, forgive me. And obviously the body shop now have got rid of all their wipes. They don't do them anymore. And I said, but, you know, using only ever using a wipe to take your makeup off is like only ever wiping your ass and never bathing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Well, I love that analogy. That's imprinted on my mind now. Yeah. Every time I, every time I like do my cellar water instead of washing my face, I'm going to think of that. <laughs> so, are there any other kind of ride or die ingredients that you've got? You know, aside from say the say retinol. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm all for a good active. I like peptides. I like vitamin C, and obviously, it depends on the vitamin C. You want one that's going to work, be stable, and you know, not sort of cause you further harm, as it were. But I think it depends mainly on the, the most important thing is to have the routine. A lot of women just don't put any onus on having a proper routine. And so that's kind of key. You know, if you sleep and you make up regularly, don't even bother buying an expensive product. Sort that shit out first. Mm. Then mm -hmm. look at the blog and try and find something that might work for you, you know. But I think vitamin C, retinoids, and they work quite well together, vitamin C in the morning, retinol in the evening. And then things like, you know, azelaic acid is great. Hyaluronic acid in, in for some people is really good. A good basic moisturizer with, you know, even if it's just glycerin, squalane, 
just some nice key ingredients. Yeah, I like that. The um, We had a guest on that said, if you're going to start somewhere, start with CSA, which I think was vitamin C and SPF in the morning and, yeah, and vitamin A in the, in yeah. the evening. Well, you've obviously got a really structured routine set out. How often are you changing that up for yourself or do you use the same products day in, day out or are you kind of like me and you'll use different things every single night? I change up cleansers and moisturisers, mm-hmm. sort of the bookend products I change up. Yeah. I'm pretty methodical with serums and sort of vitamin A and I use things up generally until they're gone because the middle part of your routine is where you're actually doing stuff to change the skin or to change the surface of the skin, the appearance Mm -hmm. of the skin, as opposed to cleansers, which are just to clean it and moisturizers, which are there to sort of give you a bit of a nourishing barrier, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but the bit you do in between is where you have all your actives. So vitamin C, I would do daily. Uh, retinoid at some point I would do daily unless I just can't be asked <laughs> and then I'll just throw, wash my face and throw in a moisturizer and I'm done but that very rarely happens because you know obviously again as you get older you have to take more care yeah absolutely I love that you post stuff about your family as well and I was wondering if your daughter loves to rummage through your skincare stash or does she have like no interest in skincare oh no she does she'll I mean she'll come in and say what's this do I need this or <laughs> this looks nice can I play with this and She'll get ready at my dressing table and I'll go and sit down after and be like, where's this gone and where's that gone? And then I'm literally like, Ava, <laughs> where's my stomach? Blah, blah, blah. So uh, be- I think generally, though, because we need different things, she's only 18, bless her, she's mm-hmm. got a face like a trampoline, you know, it just bounces. <laughs> um, we're generally okay. We share cleansers. She always works. I always know a good cleanser by the fact that she's working through it quicker than me. Mm-hmm. So it's like having another tester in the family. Yes. It's interesting how they pick up your everyday habits it's almost a parenting a reinforcing parenting lesson because my grandmother did it to my mum my mum did it to me and now Ava does it if she goes out even with her mates and some of them obviously pre-lockdown come back here and they want to crash out in her room there's like six dirty flannels by the sink and about four or five unopened and sort of half pumped cleansers where they've probably had a drink but Ava's gone, no, no, we have to wash our faces. <laughs> and then they, so they wash their face and then they fall into her bedroom. <laughs> oh, that must make you proud to know that they're at least washing their makeup off. That's the one time I don't complain at her for not leaving a mess. I'm like, oh, I don't mind tidying up cleansers. At least she's washing her face. <laughs> this might be a hard one, but if you were stuck on a deserted island, I'm going to assume you're not going to take face wipes, but you could only take three products, what would they be? Uh, if I'm going to be there for life, I'm not going to bother with SPF because... I'll just have to stay in the shade and it'll be too hot, yeah. right? Oh, probably something like Oscar's vitamin C in the capsules, mm-hmm. the Super C. Mm-hmm. That's a really lovely vitamin C. So that's nice for protection. It also gives you a nice glow. I would probably take some variation of a multitasking cleanser. So it'd have to be like a balm cleanser that I could potentially leave on if I needed to or, you know, something soothing. Uh, I don't know, something in between like Neil's Yard Wild Rose Beauty Balm because you could cleanse with that. And weirdly, it's not something I use that often. I just always have one in case. Mm-hmm. But you could cleanse with that. You could put it on to sort of soothe the sunburn you got because you didn't take SPF to the island because <laughs> you're a moron. And then probably a nice facial oil that I could use on face and nails and cuticles and, you know, my my poor feet from the sand. And right. not that I've given this a lot of thought lately. Oh, <laughs> 
it's very practical. I was going to say, like, a very practical three products. But if, you know, if I can have five, then I would add in an acid and an SPF <laughs> because you would want to have sort of something to exfoliate, especially if you're stuck. It depends where I am and who I'm stuck with. <laughs> well, you mentioned acids. So I assume, and, and I know this from reading your book, that you're a fan of acids. Do you have any specific faves? Is glycolic right up there with your favorite? Or do you have a specific product that you like to recommend for in, in terms of chemical exfoliants? I mean, the Rolls Royce of chemical exfoliants is Biology Recherche P50. Mm. Oh, yeah. yes. Which I sort of discovered like 20 odd years ago when I was working for Chantepai. We went for a facial in the Champs Elysees and it was there. And the first time I used it on my skin, I literally remember saying, What's that? <laughs> and that's been in my arsenal ever since. And again, it's not something I use that often because when you're using sort of, because I tend to use TRET and vitamin A, mm-hmm. P50 doesn't play well with others in that case because p50 stands for p the p stands for peel uh, yes. so you don't really want to the idea is that you peel your face over 50 days that's why it's p50 uh, but you you don't really want to be messing with that and vitamin a prescription strength yeah. so i use it sporadically if i haven't done the vitamin a in a while mm-hmm. but in, for someone who wants to change their skin and has never used it and sort of is looking for a new routine it's a great place to start as long as you know you've got your cleanser and stuff as well but in terms of chemical exfoliant, it's a great place to start because you see an immediate difference. Yeah. You know, that's one of those things where you're like, oh. And I always get people messaging me when they first use it and they go, my face is, my face is burning. And I'm like, okay, is it burning or is it tingling? And then they go, oh, yeah, no, it's tingling. Yeah, tingles good. We don't want to burn. Yeah, no, we don't want burn. Hannah might disagree. She oh, likes, I love. She likes to feel I a like burn. burn. I'd be like, oh, yes, thank you. This is burning. <laughs> well, the 1970 formula that's only available in the States, and I sense they're going to discontinue it does give you almost a but i mean it, it numbs your skin because they used it in the treatment rooms pre-treatments wow. back in the 70s and it your, your skin sort of goes numb when you use it and then goes bright red sounds so good and there yeah. is a there is a sick part of me that really enjoys yes. that process but you have to be careful because i i did it once and i was trying to do trial and error you know take one for the team and i thought i'll just see how it goes if i do this and then i'll give it five ten minutes and then i'll put my tret on and then in the morning, I'll use it again and we'll see what happens. And literally my high, the high part of my cheekbones were sort of bleeding underneath. Ooh. Ooh. And then I was like, yeah, you went too far, Caroline. You went too far. <laughs> Let's just do nothing except come for that area and wear a really high SPF for about a month. <laughs> Is that the biggest mistake you've made? <laughs> uh, that's probably, yeah. And to be honest, I don't even class it as a mistake because I was fully aware of what I was doing. I was literally trying to prove to people that you can't really use both together. Whereas you can use something that's milder, yeah. you know. Um, I, I kind of like the more sophisticated acids. I'm not a big fan of like a single use or a, a sort of once a week glycolic peel. I think you have more benefit from using some things more frequently, but they're less strong. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I like the Zellens PHA pads because it's polyhydroxy acid. It doesn't have any glycolic in it. And also, I think as we get older, it, for me, you pick your poison. And I say poison as a compliment. So there comes a point in every woman's life where she needs to have prescription strength vitamin A, you know. But I don't think you need to have a strong glycolic and a strong vitamin A. I think you can do too much. Mm-hmm. So I like sort of nice, mild exfoliants and then just prescription strength tret is kind of the backbone of it. Whereas, you know, when, I'm, when I was younger with my daughter, you know, her big thing that I've given her is vitamin C and SPF. And she's fine. That's all she needs. Yeah. That yeah. Miss Trampoline face over there, you know. <laughs> and if people do overdo it and they realize they see themselves in the mirror and they're like, I've messed up here, 
what products do you recommend that they reach for? What are your go-tos for just healing everything? Well, really, all you want to do is your skin is going to try and have to help itself. So mm-hmm. I steer away from all the green crap people try and give you. Like there's nothing worse <laughs> for an agitated skin than putting raw aloe vera on it. it uh, and when I see people doing it, I think, oh, my God, your face is going to be screaming. And so there's things like Dermalogica do a product called Barrier Repair, which mm-hmm. is just that. And it's almost like a... It feels like it's a pure sort of silicone film that you put on your face. But in terms of nuking sensitivity, it's brilliant. And actually the Zellens vitamin D treatment drops, that oil is probably the one thing I would reach for first, followed by the Dermalogica barrier repair. Purely for the fact that the vitamin D, its job is to sort of strengthen the skin, but it immediately takes down redness. It immediately takes away the heat. And then if you follow that up with something like barrier repair 10, 15 minutes later, and you just do that only, you're going to have to stay away from makeup, you know, stay away from actives, just bin them off for a week or two. People think like two weeks is a really long time. But as I think we've all noticed in lockdown, it's not. Yes, (laughs) totally. Give your skin a break for a couple of weeks before you reintroduce anything active. And then when you go back in, just just use a mild, unfragranced cleanser, nothing foaming, maybe a milk you know, a cleansing mm-hmm. milk or a cleansing cream is much more gentle for the skin. And I wouldn't even go back to a balm because you have to remove those with a flannel mm-hmm. or a washcloth. So that, that again, causes aggravation. So it's just being sensitive and giving, and, you know, sort of forgiving yourself and saying, okay, went too far. Yeah. And giving your skin a break. Yeah. All very, very good tips. I could honestly sit here and just ask you questions the whole night. I was going to say. <laughs> but we won't keep you any longer. Caroline's book, Skincare the No Nonsense Guide, is an excellent resource for skincare education. I highly, highly recommend getting your hands on it. It's available from the 26th of June through HarperCollins. Thank you so much for joining us, Caroline. This has been definitely my favorite interview. I was supposed to be coming to Oz this summer and then well lockdown happened Mm. and then my eldest son's girlfriend got pregnant and I was just like there's no way I can be on the other side of the world when my grandbaby could be born at any minute so yes um, if you do come to Australia please hit us up because that would be like my dream to spend the day with you (laughs) when we come over we'll be over for a long period of time it won't just be like two days amazing we look forward to meeting you thanks so much bye thanks everyone for joining us today Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated.